All Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast with Nazca Fontes. Listeners, welcome to All Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast. Uh, we've got a wonderful show for you today. Um, we're so honored to have a leading fertility expert with us today uh, from the Fertility Centers of Illinois, my personal friend uh, and mentor, Dr. Brian Kaplan. Uh, he's been passionately leading the way in infertility for nearly three decades in IVF, egg donation, gestational surrogacy, you name it, a true leader in the global marketplace. And uh, I, I'm just honored to have him here today. Dr. Kaplan, welcome to our show. Thank you, Nuska, and I, I really appreciate you having me here today. Um, it's been a long time together. We've seen this uh, technology evolve over so many years, and many of the technologies have been very transformative, and surrogacy being one of them. Surrogacy is uh, something that uh, years ago was considered very unusual. I mean, people would say, I need a surrogate. Who else does this? It's weird. But today, it's, it's pretty much, it's, it's a common commonly used modality of treatment in infertility, growing um, exponentially, but it's important to realize it is done for many different uh, reasons. And um, one of the most common of all are couples who have tried to get pregnant, and especially if a woman has a uterine issue. So she's had a baby, perhaps she had bleeding after her pregnancy, she had to have surgery done, sometimes the uterus is actually removed at that time, uh, someone who's had multiple surgeries to the uterus for fibroids, uh, for polyps, for multiple miscarriages where they've developed scarring in the uterus. So the underlying reason for necessitating a surrogate is uterine. And that's one big, that's one large component of couples who need a surrogate to get pregnant. Surrogacy is not going to be the choice for everybody. But here's an interesting statistic that I want you to poke on a little bit. Um, according to the CDC, surrogacy has the highest rate of success of any fertility treatment. So according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, IVF with donor egg has a success rate of you know, around 52%, which is the highest of most fertility treatments out there. But higher still is the rate of success with a gestational carrier. And that success rate hovers around 75% and can increase to as high as 95% for a birth once the gestational carrier is pregnant. So let's talk about that a little bit. Shed some light on what those statistics mean for our listeners. Well, it's very dependent on what the reason for surrogacy is. The critical variable in getting pregnant, obviously the uterus plays a role, so does the sperm, but the critical variable is the egg. So mm -hmm. women are born with all their eggs. They lose eggs. By the time they reach puberty, half their eggs are gone. Uh, by the time they reach menopause, all their eggs are gone. So as women age they are losing eggs both quantitatively but also qualitatively. And that's the critical variable. So if the egg comes from a woman who's in her 40s, that success rate with surrogacy will not be 70%. It will be determined by the quality of her egg and subsequently the embryo, by the age of where the eggs came from. Um, so if you look at a large percentage of our couples doing surrogacy, are the same-sex male couples or gay guys where now you have to use a donor egg together with a surrogate. Now your pregnancy rates go up exponentially because now you have a young egg, 24, 25-year-old egg, together with a proven uterus or a proven surrogate. Now your pregnancy rates of getting pregnant can be well into the 70s. 
So there are two. There are very different groups of couples who need surrogates, and the results will vary depending on what the underlying reason is for doing surrogacy. In infertility, we have to have realistic expectation, and the realistic expectation has to be set based on their specific individualized story. So if it is a, a gay couple going through surrogacy, the pregnancy rates are very high and can easily be around 70% for every embryo you put in. If that intended parent is 38, it will be lower because the miscarry rate will be higher. If it is a donor egg, then the miscarry rate is under 10%, and now your 90-95% success rate is true. So I think it's very important for listeners to realize you need to know what your story is and in your situation. We have a patient population, perhaps, you know, those who have experienced repeated loss, repeated miscarriages, you know, those we can we can imagine the patient base that comes in and says, you know, I have no problem getting pregnant. It's keeping the pregnancies. You know, what what kind of advice do you give to those patients and how do you approach their treatment plan? That's a very, very important question, a very common scenario. So you have to identify why is this couple miscarrying in the first place. So if this patient has had multiple failures and the underlying reason has been because the embryos have been abnormal, and you can test for that, then a surrogate is only going to increase that success rate margin. If that patient has had multiple miscarriages with normal embryos, now the, the uterus becomes much more of a critical factor for the traditional infertility patient that has been through a very long road of treatment. And so Mm -hmm. they now arrive at the juncture where perhaps they are using donor-created eggs and a surrogate. What Mm -hmm. then happens to the success rate and their chances and probability of taking home a baby? That success rate will be the highest of all because now you've got uh, the ideal situation. You have relatively young eggs and therefore young embryos, so the implantation rates are very high and the miscarried rates will be very low. And you're taking a uterus from a surrogate that is proven, that has been tested, and so you have a combination of the best of all worlds. It can be well into the 70s, and, the, and once they're pregnant, that's where that 90 or 95% success rate is, is true. So once they're pregnant, the miscarry rate is so much lower because you have that normal uterus and embryos that are young from young eggs. And so that's the ideal situation which would give you the highest chance of taking home a healthy baby. Talk (laughs) about how successful surrogacy can be, but it is an art of time to get there. And it's not going to be a first choice. And naturally, you know, that traditional patient needs to go through the steps to determine their lack of success in building a family. Um, But to pivot very quickly, when we talk about the same-sex male cohort, I mean, they have to jump right to surrogacy and donor egg. And for them, boy, they kind of zoom through the process, don't they? They really do. It's a a tremendous population. It's growing. It's um, relatively affluent. It's very, I mean, I'm generalizing, um, highly educated. Um, The success rates are the best of everything we do. Um, but it is a commitment, and it's, it's always, I'm always humbled by that, by a commitment of time, of decision-making, of cost, obviously, that's involved. But that is really the ideal situation. And there's so many choices that those couples have with very, very good outcomes. 
So when the role of, of a surrogate is at play here, you know, we really need to consider the women that come forth, they answer the calling, you know, they're motivated for so many of the right reasons to be a surrogate, whether it is your traditional infertility, uh, infertile couple or your same sex couple or your single female or male by choice. Um, the surrogate plays a pivotal role in how successful they ultimately are. Mm -hmm. Tell me what makes a great surrogate. These are women that are, are unique. Every time I meet one of these women, it, it's very, uh, it is truly humbling that someone would decide and make that decision to be a surrogate. I mean, they're giving or they're contributing to giving life. I mean, that is, that is, that is really, that's a very deep decision that someone's making. So they are really unique in, in many, many ways. Um, a surrogate for me, age is not as critical because the uterus is, a, and this is very important, the uterus ages very little. And so it's not like an egg donor where age is so critical. So a surrogate can be up to 40 years old in that range. Her uterus is still good as long as she's proven at a healthy pregnancy, uncomplicated, her medical clearance is done. And, and we do a whole battery of testing both medically, genetically, psychologically, to make sure that, that, that we're comfortable with that and we're not we, we maximizing the probabilities. So for me, I look at the surrogate's history, uh, particularly for me medically and from an obstetrical point of view, and if all that is clear and she's had a strong history of pregnancy without complication, then she becomes ideal as a surrogate. Uh, it's not a simple process. It has to be, there's a lot of education, and there's, there has to be this camaraderie and personal relationship between all of us so everybody knows exactly what the expectation is, what the comfort level is, that they feel comfortable with who they're working with, they have a trust of who they're working with, that the legal system's all in place. So it is complex. I love that you just laid out all of the factors that contribute to a successful surrogacy, you know, and there's so many more. Uh, it, it is a complex process with a lot of moving pieces and parts. Um, you know, what's so remarkable about you, um, I'm going to call you Brian for just a minute, Brian, <laughs> is that, you know, at one point in time, you were my boss. I came to work <laughs> for you when I was 23 years old. Yeah. You were one of my original mentors, an original champion of all things conceivable. And, you know, you've taught me a lot along the way. You really have. And one of the most remarkable things that I think our listeners would appreciate is that your bedside manner was and continues to be excellent. It's, it's something that you're known for, and you really cared about your patients. You mentioned just a moment ago how a uterus really doesn't age in the way that uh, an egg ages. And, you know, you were really a pioneer in this field of third-party reproduction, and you had a unique opportunity recently that was showcased actually in the media where you, uh, you were treating a patient where the patient's mother and the child that she carried as a surrogate and, and bore was her granddaughter. So tell us a little <laughs> bit more about being part of that journey. Um, th thank you for those kind words, Nesca. But um, I think uh, there are a couple points and important ones. Number one, you can't do what you and I do uh, unilaterally. This, is, this has to be a team. You have to have the right people with you and around you. You have to have the right team in place. If you have 
uh, a surrogacy center or an agency that is incompetent, everything's going to fall apart. If you're looking for a, a um, less expensive way out because it's just cheap, you're going to get that. The, that's the result you're going to get. You're going to pay for what you get. You'd, this is life. You don't want to take a chance with anything, whether it's on the recruitment side, the legal side, the medical side. You want this all optimized as much as science has available, even with its imperfections. And I think the collaboration between all of us is really the, the key to the whole thing. So none of us can do this um, on our own, and I think it's a reflection of that collaboration why we get the success rates we do. On the, the second aspect is that um, all physicians have different approaches. We all have different styles, just like in art, in music, in everything else. And you have to, as a, as a patient, you have to see someone you're going to feel comfortable with, comfortable with in your heart, comfortable with in your trust, comfortable with that you think you're getting the best care. And it, uh, some certain centers will, be, will not be right for everybody. The approach some physicians have is a purely scientific approach. It's all science. You base it on algorithm. This is the age of the patient. This is the underlying ideology. You put the embryo in on this uterus, and, and that's one approach to doing it, and it works very well, and I, I respect that. I look at it a little differently. Um, sometimes cr uh, have been critiqued for it, but for me, a lot of what we do, it is, of course, it's science. It's based on science, but it's also humanities. This is mm -hmm. all about people. And you and have a to get bit of art in there too, and, right? and there's art and there's art in there as well. But you have to get inside each other's soul. You have to understand where they're coming from, what their desires are, what their dreams are, what their what their resistance is, what their uh, what their vulnerability is. So you have to understand who you're dealing with, who you're working with, and I think that has always been for me as an important part of this whole um, technology is understanding people. And if you get to that point, that has been, for me, I think part of the, um, what I've enjoyed personally, I think has been successful professionally. Uh, but there are plenty of people who do a good job with surrogacy. There are plenty of good IVF centers on a, on a national level. There are plenty of people who get good results. It's just you've got to pick, where you, just like everything else, where you feel comfortable that you're going to get the best results. Um, and this, and, and the, the example you, you brought up is, is very typical of that. Uh, this was a young girl that I saw, and she'd been a, my patient for a few years. Um, middle, middle America, hardworking, great work ethic, not wealthy, um, expensive to do surrogacy. She had beautiful embryos, young. She had a uterine issue, multiple surgeries on her uterus. It was very, very unlikely. You never say never, but it was highly unlikely that she would be able to carry a pregnancy or get pregnant, although she had beautiful embryos we had in the freezer. So only choice of having a baby was with surrogacy, but she couldn't afford a surrogate. So she brought in her mother to see me, who'd come on on numerous occasions with her, and her mom was menopausal, menopausal. So mom was in her 50s, and that's not the ideal surrogate. I mean, we very rarely use a menopausal patient. In fact, the guidelines are not to use a menopausal patient. And so in the beginning, being cautious, I was a little resistant to using her mom as a surrogate. But... My, just my intuition as a, as a physician dealing with people, I had to find a way that I could give this young woman a chance of getting pregnant because if we didn't use her mom, she would never have children. And this is someone who's 29, 30 years old with beautiful embryos. So I, I just thought to myself, how do I, let me look at this very individually. 
and her mom and I had pressure from my partners, from my peers to say, what are you doing? This is, this is not the norm. But I thought to myself, let me, let me individualize it. And her mother was unique. Her mother was 51, but had run seven marathons. Her mother had run Boston Marathon, London Marathon, New York Marathon in her 40s and had done Ironman. So she was healthier than most of my 28-year-old patients. So it was a unique situation. And so I made sure that she was seen by internal medicine, by high-risk obstetrics, by uh, psychology. I, I, we went through every detail to make sure we didn't want to put anybody at increased risk. And it wa- and, but this was a unique situation. And fortunately, her mom went through the process, first embryo implanted. They have a beautiful baby. I'll tell you, uh, the irony of it is the baby's born on the same day as my birthday, so I don't know how that works <laughs> out, but it's, it's kind of really strange. But she's, too, she's, go- and she's, go- and she's gorgeous. But I would not recommend that as a standard of care for people to use their mothers at, in their 50s as a carrier, as a surrogate. This was a unique situation, so you have to look at it, and it just emphasizes my point of personalizing everything. So well, it's a, it's a, it, it was a great story, and it worked out, thank God, it worked out very well. It, it worked out, but it just illuminates the point. Your approach to medicine is just a remarkable one, and it's very individualized, and it's very caring. You know, I've worked with you now for nearly 30 years. All these decades later, here, here we are, and surrogacy, I mean, I don't think we could have imagined how it no. has taken off, but... You know, uh, share for us some of the advancements that have been made and where you think surrogacy might be headed next. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's obviously a growing, uh, f- uh, a growing part of what we do. Um, I think the population that needs a surrogate is growing as well, and the acceptance is much more, wi- much more broadly accepted. I mean, it's interesting. If you go to the schools today, um, in New York and Chicago and all the major metropolitan cities, um, a third of those children are born either from surrogates, donor egg, donor sperm, single mothers, single fathers. You know, today it's, a, um, it's such a um, heterogeneous group of how children are conceived. And at the end of the day, if you have children that are born as healthy as possible, that's the bottom line. Where the, how it gets there and how do we achieve that with technology it's just a matter of individual, individually being comfortable conceptually. Um, so um, I see it as a growing market, and I think it will evolve where uh, employees will realize how important it is and cover some of the expenses and costs with surrogacy. And I think all those people should have an option uh, to have children. And if it takes a surrogate to do that, I think we should... Um, just as a society, provide that opportunity and not base it on purely whether they can financially afford it or not. I think that is the basis of our culture. So for me, I feel very passionate about it, and um, I, I do see it growing um, exponentially. So have you, did you arrive at this over just the course of time and treating so many patients and just you know living a full life, or was this also motivating factor for you when you were deciding to go into infertility uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about your decision <laughs> no i don't know if it was just fortunate or lucky or timing it's it's complicated but um i i, I believe in in what's good for humanity i believe in science i believe in the in the uh, combination of the two i believe that uh, we should provide that that opportunity 
Um, I've been privileged to be part of it. Um, I see the results. Um, the results are what keeps me going. Um, look at the, the, the kids that are born, and they're many, and it's cute. And everyone said, don't you feel good about seeing those children? But that, that's not what my high is. My high is you, when you look at a couple and you look in their eyes when they don't have children, they're coming in and they're desperate and they're struggling, your, your, your eye, the eyes look empty. It's like you, you see their soul's not there. And once you see that pregnancy, that eyes are, those eyes are filled. That's my high. Oh, God. I, I, I love that. And people do feel like folks like you and I who, who are in the world of family building, that that high is the ultimate outcome. And no doubt. I mean, oh, gosh, it's joyful. It's wondrous. It's, it's a miracle. But it's the building and the helping and the progress and being kind of that bridge to hope that really is so fulfilling. It does teach you and it shows you uh, the resilience of human beings. I mean, that's, you know, you and I provide a resource, we contribute, but the resilience comes from those patients. It, it does. Um, in terms of technology in the future, um, anything on the horizon that you think is of particular interest that you might yeah. want to share? Um, I think from a, um, I think a lot of um, in medicine in general, but in our field, I think the genetic uh, field, it, it will explode, has exploded and will get more and more advanced. The ability to test for genetic disease before you're pregnant. Um, we've seen that with, um, with different technologies, um, you know, to try and prevent disease before it even happens. So if you could, and that's controversial, everybody will make their own decision, but if you could test for uh, predisposition to genetic problems, prevent genetic disease, prevent uh, catastrophe before you're even pregnant, for me is where a lot of the technology is evolving. Um, artificial intelligence is the hot name and the hot term that everybody's talking about. I'm still not sure how, where it plays its role and how effective it's going to be and what the cost is going to be in our field. It's inevitable, but at what pace and how we'll utilize it will be something that we will deal with. Um, and um, our field is just more and more global. So I think that's part of it as well. Yeah, I think that the, you know, the U.S. has naturally been, uh, you know, more advanced than other parts of the world. And I couldn't agree with you more. I certainly hope that the global community catches up uh, as it relates to, to, you know, some of the more uh, perhaps controversial or socially um, inaccessible pieces of, of treatment, surrogacy that's being one of them. But just um, so, so, the, so the, it's important, the global community, at least they know, they, if it can't be provided where they are, we're happy to provide it in the U.S. We're happy. <laughs> and, and we do. We are seeing an explosion, too, in the international patient base coming over here seeking treatment yes. um, in a safe way where it is yes. commercially accessible, it's legally protected, and we're doing a better job than ever before in getting those families back home and integrated right back into their, their um, society. I think that's very important what you just said, uh, and I think I can't, I, I, wouldn't, I couldn't even extrapolate on that. That's exactly right. That as part of our all-in surrogate care and compensation package at Conceivabilities, we have developed um, a, a partum care program, and what's called the fourth trimester for our surrogates, so that we can provide the surrogates and her family with this transition period of time after delivery to provide all of the care and support that they need to you know, be able to not only heal physically, um, but to also 
look back and know that the joy that she provided to a family uh, was was you know it transcended not only her participation but into her period of recovery so that we can do the best job that we can to support her through that transition. I think um, you and being in a, a surrogate of, of, of international reputation, the agency of international reputation plays such a big role. And that's why it's not just the physician. We, we're going to get you that point to that point. But who's going to take care of you, the baby, the surrogate, the intended parent, after they're done with us? And that's where, as a fertility physician, we rely and we affiliate ourselves with the best agencies like yours because we know that that's going to be taken care of all the way through and that's just one added value when you're talking about that fourth trimester so many surrogates come back to as repeat surrogates when you're having people coming back and being a surrogate on multiple occasions that is an indication telling you we must be doing a good job with what we're doing right right it, it that is so important um you know because obviously pregnancy and delivery is extremely taxing, physically, right. emotionally. And right. so to be able to create an environment where not only has she had her own children, uh, she's had a child for somebody else, and she's going to come back again, yeah. and perhaps even again. Right. Uh, it, it's a labor of love, no pun intended, for yeah, all of us. When you look at the enormity, right, the enormous journey and the complexity of that enormous journey. Like, what are some of the hallmarks of a, of a good agency um, and good standards of care out there? What should your patients be looking for so that they don't cut corners and they don't uh, take risks unnecessarily? I think it's the same way as you look at it as a, an IVF uh, physician group as well. I think experience uh, uh, is is very important. Um, who has who has done it a lot? Because then they've had cases where of being unique or unusual. They know how to deal with that. They have, and I, so experience comes with size to some degree. Um, the downside to that has always been if you're big, it seems less personal. It's not boutique. But boutique, I believe, in infertility where you only have a few patients, it sounds great, but I think that lack of experience and longevity has, a, a, you have a price for that. So I think you want to look at a center where what is their reputation? How long have they been doing this? What kind of volume do they do? What kind of spectrum uh, of patients do they take care of? Um, can they provide um, a service not just locally but nationally? Um, and then um, and then the rest is they have to do their homework and just introduce, meet those people, see that they have a comfort level. But I wouldn't look for the shortcut. I wouldn't look for something that's quick and easy because that's where the problems occur. Um, gosh, Dr. Kaplan, I, Thanks, I wish Nasta. I had all day to talk to you. I really do. <laughs> I, you know, we could tell stories. We could talk about advancements. We could share all kinds of juicy information for our <laughs> listeners. And I just hope you, you definitely come back to this podcast and my show again. Um, but before we leave, I just want you to, you know, think about um, what you want our listeners to take away about the success of surrogacy. You know, maybe what I always call the aha moment to share. What would be your aha moment to share with our listeners about surrogacy and its success? Um, I would tell couples that you can always have a baby. If that's what you want, you can always have a baby. It's a matter of how you get there and what technology you need to get there and how long it's going to take. 
So if you are open-minded and you have a comfort level in your heart that you prepare to do certain different or unique technologies, there's always that option. And, and that's what we all want as human beings. We want information and we want optionality. And so if you want it, you can do it. It's just a matter of getting to that point where you're at peace with it. Dr. Kaplan, thank you for sharing Thanks, your Nasca. wisdom, being thank so you. generous with your time and you know, letting our listeners know that there's hope. Thank you, Nasca, as always. I much appreciate the time. Such a great show for me today. You know, I, I meet so many wonderful people in my life and in my professional world, and they all have such amazing stories to tell, uh, both uplifting and hopeful and also cautionary. And I think when it comes to the, the show today, not only about the success of surrogacy, but the advancements in infertility and the road ahead, one thing underscores all of that. And that is the need to always trust your provider, do research, uh, look at history, look at longevity. You know, uh, surrogacy is very complex. I always say that you're going to hear that basically in every show that I do. But for this one in particular, Dr. Kaplan outlined that it really does take a wait for it, it's a bit cliche, but it really does take a village. It takes extraordinary medicine from the best experts around, and it takes a, a, a trusting partner in a surrogacy agency who is not small, who is not boutique, uh, who can provide all the levels of service necessary to ensure that the journey ahead is going to be as smooth as possible, as um, low risk as possible in order to get to the outcome that we all desire. And that is a healthy baby and a healthy delivery. So, um, you know, that is my biggest takeaway that I, uh, that I want to showcase for our listeners. Uh, look for the, the providers who have been around the longest with the greatest breadth of service. So thank you for joining me today. And until next time, take care. At Conceivabilities, we believe that everyone who wants to become a parent can. Our agency has helped build thousands of families for nearly 25 years. Whether you are an intended parent ready to fulfill your family destiny, a surrogate answering your calling, or an egg donor wanting to expand what's possible in your life, we are your people. See how matching matters. Learn more by joining our Surrogacy Learning Center community at surrogacylearningcenter.conceivabilities.com.